This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I was reading a, a story never, a few years ago, never forgot it. A, a couple were, they were traveling, they were an older couple had been married quite a few years. They were traveling in their, in their truck and up in front of them was another truck and there was a couple in that truck and they were sitting so close together it looked like a two-headed driver. Have you ever seen that? And the, the wife reached over and she touched her husband and she said, uh, I can remember when we used to sit that close. He was quiet for a little bit. Then he spoke very quietly, still looking straight ahead. He said, uh, I haven't moved. <laughs> over the years, evidently, she had kind of drifted over to her side. This morning, I want to talk about to keep from slipping. To keep from slipping and, and, and drifting. And the good news is, there are some definite ways that we don't have to slip away. And I'm talking about slipping away from God. It seems like I've met people over the years and, and uh, you know, we've been here long enough where I can meet people and I would see them around church and then I didn't see them after a while and I would run into them out in public. Now, usually if someone has switched churches, they always tell me, hey, Alan, we're going to such and such church. But a lot of times when they say, hey, Alan, I'm like, hey, good to see you guys. And they're kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that tells me they're not in church somewhere. And so they're like, yeah, you know, man, got busy in baseball and stuff. And like, I'm going to go, oh, oh, great, you got a pass. That's, that's wonderful. Of course, now there's a new thing. Everyone's like, hey, watch you online. Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> that's great. I'm not supposed to know that. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> they were doing so well. And, and then they begin to slip back. And the thing about it is that's something that all of us have to be aware of. And one of the things that we have, to, we have to understand is there are things in our life that if we ignore them, they don't get better. I'll give you one. Your yard. <laughs> if you ignore it, you're going to get a letter from your HOA telling you you need to do something with your yard. If you ever had a garden, you can't just let your garden, you're like, well, I'm just going to let it be organic, man. I don't pull weeds, man. Weeds belong here. I'm going to let it be organic. <laughs> You're going to have organic nothing but weeds. If you ignore a garden, it's not going to get better. How about your, your mental and physical health? Well, you, I, and I realize when you're young, when you're really young, you know, you just bounce back real quick. I can remember the days when someone said, hey, you want to go? We're going to run a couple of miles. I'm like, sure, great. Let's get up and go. Those days are over. But if you don't do something with your, you don't do something with your health, after a while you're going to reach an age and no one, no one reaches like in their 50s and, and 60s and goes, wow, you know, I haven't done anything for 10 years. I'm in the best shape of my life. It doesn't happen. If you ignore it, if you ignore your mental, you know, we have to stay sharp mentally. So you can't ignore your yard. You can't ignore your mental and physical health. You can't ignore important relationships and expect them to get better. Boy, it got quiet. There was a man that, with tears in his eyes, showed up at the police department. And uh, he sat down, talked to the sergeant behind the desk. He said, my wife left the house two days ago to go help some, rescue some flood victims, and I haven't heard from her. I need to report her as missing. 
And the sergeant got his form out. He said, okay, he said, uh, what, what, how, what's her height? He goes, um, five feet something. He goes, what's her weight? He goes, Phew. she's not really skinny. She's not really fat. I, I, I don't really know. He said, what color are her eyes? He said, I think they're brown. He said, I never really noticed. He said, what color is her hair? He said, well, that changes a couple of times a year. <laughs> he said, I, I think it's dark brown. Sergeant said, what was she wearing? He said, uh, jeans, maybe, or maybe shorts. I'm, I'm just not sure. He said, was she driving something? He said, yes, yeah, she was driving my Jeep. He said, what kind of Jeep is it? Now he's sobbing. He said, it was a 2021 Gladiator Rubicon 4x4 with hydro blue paint, <laughs> black aluminum polished wheels and 33-inch Tyro tires, and it had a winch on the front and a, a Mopar painted grill, had a bed liner in the back and an Alpine sound system, and it had perforated seat leather. He's, now he's sobbing. Guy reaches out and patted him on the, on the hand. He said, it's okay, buddy. We're going to get your Jeep back. <laughs> you cannot ignore important relationships and have them get better. And as we're adding to the list, let's add our spiritual growth and development to that list as well. Look what the writer of Hebrews said. He's writing to the church. He said this, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, that more earnest heed simply means more careful attention. He said, we have to give the more careful attention to the things we have heard, the things we've learned, lest we just drift away. And that word drift away actually means to slip away, and it, it, it implies an almost unnoticeable shift. You just begin to drift away unless you pay attention to what you've heard. It's a, there's a flow in the world and it's not going towards God. And so we have to pay careful attention to that. There was a university in the United States that was founded in 1636. It was founded with a mission and it said to plainly instruct and to consider well that the end of a man's life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. That was their mission statement. All of their professors were professing Christians. They did everything they could to, to develop character formation as a, even in advance of academic achievement. Their diploma, when you got a diploma from this university, in Latin there was an inscription that said, truth for Christ and the church. You've probably heard of this institution. It's Harvard. Seventy years later, some Protestant ministers in New England were concerned that Harvard had slipped away from their Christian roots. They'd become too secular. So they formed a, another university with the help of a, a wealthy businessman by the name of Elihu Yale. And Yale University was formed with a real strong mission to proclaim truth and light. Isn't it interesting how things can shift? There is a flow where things are going in another direction. That's why the scriptures are telling us 
We have to pay more careful attention to what we've heard lest we slip away, lest we drift. Now, here's the good news. Thank God we don't have to drift. And I want to give you some things this morning that will help you, and these are very helpful in helping you not drift, helping you not slip away, because you want to stay strong, and you you, you want to stay close. There's a great story in the New Testament where we learn a very important truth, and we're going to see this right here in this reading in Luke. Now it happened as he, he's talking about Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, the foreigner, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is an interesting story. There's some great truths here. One this morning will help us, if if we pay careful attention to it, not to slip. Ten men, this is the first time you see this many people coming to Jesus as a group for healing. Usually people would come by ones or twos. These group of 10, but they stood afar off. Leprosy is a contagious disease. It begins to eat at the outside of the body and can, can eventually be fatal. And so because the Jews had really good quarantine laws that had been established through Moses, if you ever read the book of Leviticus, it's a, it's, I'd never suggest people go there first. If, if you're gonna start reading the Bible, don't, don't start with Leviticus. Because you get to that chapter about how to cleanse the leper, and you're like, what am I reading? But it was quarantine laws. And so lepers had to stay. They, they could not be around their families. They could not be around the public. They would live actually in colonies. They would live separate. Maybe their families could bring them food. That's how they would survive. But they were just isolated, way isolated from the world. And so this is why they stood afar off. Usually people would approach Jesus. They're standing afar off, and they're yelling, Jesus! Have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus, he gave them mercy. He gave them help, but it came in a different package. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, that's just on a side note. There's often something where we're asking God for help. He will give us something to do. That's the good news. He'll tell us like, Lord, I'm just, I'm so down. I'm so depressed. I need your help. And he might say, you might want to worship me and praise me a bit more. And you have to make a decision. Just like these 10 guys had to make a decision. What am I going to do about that? Well, Lord, I don't feel like worshiping and praising you. And uh, these guys may have looked at each other when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They might have looked at each other and went, why? We're lepers. You see, in Leviticus, it says that if a leper thought he was cleansed, you couldn't just walk back into town and go, hey, I'm good. You had to go to the priest, and the priest would examine you for like seven days, and then if you were clean, you had to shave all your head and your eyebrows and all the hair, and then you could come back in, and man, they had some strict laws. And so these guys, you didn't go show yourself to the priest unless you were clean, but they weren't clean. But Jesus said, go show themselves, but they weren't clean, so they had a decision, and this is where faith comes in. Gee, Lord, I'm depressed. I'm down. I need your help. 
Good, let's praise me a bit more. Lord, I can't praise you, I'm depressed. But if you begin to make that step, that's when you start to see things happen. When they made the step and said, what do we got to lose? What do we got to lose? They started going to the priest and all of a sudden, they're looking at one another going, Bubba, your arm, your arm is, there's no leprosy on your arm. And you look at them and go, look at Stinky. Stinky's got absolutely no leprosy on his face and everything. And pretty boy's actually pretty now. He's not as ugly as he used to be because he's, he's pretty. You know, if you've got 10 guys together, they're all going to have nicknames for each other. You know that, don't you? And they're looking at one another going, we're, we're clean, we're, we're clean. Now they're really happy. And they're running to the priest, except one. And one goes, um, I, I'm going back. They're like, you can't go back. Come on, man. Sam the Samaritan. Come on, Sam. We're all doing this together. You can't. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Sam said, no, no. I'm going back. I'm going back to give thanks. I'm just healed. Now I'm going back. And he went back and the Bible said with a loud voice. He was glorifying God. Fell at Jesus' feet. Now he could come close. Fell at his feet. He's giving him thanks and just praising God. Listen, it, it was not easy when the whole flow is going this way for him to turn around and go this way and give thanks. But he did it. And Jesus looked around and said, where are the other guys? Where are the nine? How come there was only one that returned to give thanks? Now, I don't know why these other guys kept going. Maybe they were just so excited that they could get back to a normal life. Maybe they were so excited that things were going to go back to normal. They could join their families again. They could be involved in commerce again. They could, they could do things again. Maybe they were so busy with that, they forgot to turn around and give thanks. I don't know. You know, guys, things are starting to change in our country. I don't know if we'll ever go back to the normal that we had before the pandemic, but things are beginning to turn. You're starting to see that. Things are, are going back to normal. Church is getting fuller every week. More and more people are coming back, and things are going back to normal. But can I encourage you that don't take your foot off your spiritual gas pedal because even though things may be going back to normal, don't go, okay, I got it now. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate you getting me through that pandemic. We're good. Now we're good. Listen, you want to keep your foot on the spiritual gas because the normal that we're dealing with now may not stay normal for a long. We're dealing with some different days, guys. And we don't need to back off and go, well, you know, I'm just, listen, don't wait for the next thing to hit. Just keep your foot on the gas and stay close to God. And that is the best thing we can do. So how do you do that? How do you keep from slipping back? Here's one of the first things we have to recognize. Recognize that we have to be responsible for our own spiritual health. And recognize that there is a tendency to move back if we don't do something about that. Look what, the right, look what Paul said right into the Philippians. He said, therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. That phrase is used frequently, stand fast in the Lord. What does that mean? It's not talking about losing your salvation, guys. It's talking about losing that connection, losing that relationship, losing that, that, that closeness to God. He said, you, you want to stand fast in the Lord. You stand fast in what God's done for you. You stand fast in your faith in Christ. You stand fast in, in God's goodness and, and what he's instructing us to do. So you seem pretty adamant about this. I'm very adamant about this because I I'd had a time in my life where I came to the Lord. I was 19 years old. I was selling books door to door out in Carbondale, Illinois. 
And walking across the field, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I said, I'm yours. Man, I had a marvelous summer. I was filled with the Spirit. I was so excited about God. Man, when I, I was talking with my mom, we would talk about the things of God. I was excited. And when I went back, I went back to college. And I went back to college, and I didn't have a good church to go to. I didn't have any Christian fellowship. And all my friends in the fraternity were partiers. And when I went back, man, I'm, I'm, at the beginning, I'm standing fast. I'm, man, and, and people are like, kind of, you're, you're different, you're different. What's going on? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a little weak on my answer, but, you know, I have the Lord. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I had friends who were not encouraging me to walk with God. And I had friends who were always encouraging me to party. I had some partying friends. I'm living in a partying, we're in an apartment complex. It was party central there. And I'm standing there for a while. I'm standing fast. But guys, this is what I'm saying. You gotta pay attention to what you've heard. You gotta listen. This is one reason you need church. And you need Christian friends who don't do what you used to do. Man, if you had a problem smoking dope, I man, I I'd I roomed with a bunch of dope-smoking brothers. And none of them looked at me and said, you know, Alan, we think it's really important that you pursue your relationship with Christ and that you become everything that God has called you to be. None of them ever said that. They're like, dude, you want a bong hit? <laughs> and I went, at first I'm like, no, 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 no. After a while, guys, they will absolutely wear you down. I said, just one. <laughs> I didn't inhale either. <laughs> lying about that, but anyway. And, and listen, don't get nervous. Uh, if you don't know me, don't get nervous. This was over 40 years ago. I know I don't look it, but it was over 40 years ago. Haven't touched it since. But guys, can you understand? If, if you, man, if you were always partying, you need people in your life who will encourage you to love God, to go to church, to be involved with what God's doing, to get involved with something. You need people like that. <laughs> I appreciate that golf clap. That was really pretty good. But you need people who don't do what you used to have a problem with. Because it becomes, it becomes hard not to slip back. Now here's the next one. I have for you, and I think this is one of the keys right here. It's, we, we, need a, we need a good environment. By the way, I did, I did go way back, and man, I was living like, man, I was living not good. And when I came to Texas, I remember meeting a, a dark-haired, dark-eyed beauty whose life convicted mine, and in October of 1981, I came back, and since then, I've stood fast. And so I know it's possible to do. I know it's possible. So you stood fast because you were a preacher. I was not a preacher then. I was a sales rep. But I can still stand fast. Here's the next one. I want you to see this verse. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile. That means unprofitable, worthless in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, let me give you something that will really help you. We're talking about not staying strong with God. Here's one of the best things that you can do. If we looked at that verse, they said they knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. 
That word glorify simply means to give a place of honor, to recognize, to esteem, to put in an honorable place. So they weren't glorifying God and they weren't thankful. And so their thoughts begin to go off and their hearts were dark and they went into the dark. Listen, guys, one of the best ways to stay in the light is to glorify God, is to begin to say, God, I recognize you, that you are the God, the creator of heavens and earth. I don't have to feel you. I don't have to see you. I believe in you and I believe you're real. And I thank you for all that you have done. I glorify you. I give you praise. You know, you can do that. And it may sound different to you, but being thankful and being grateful and glorifying him keeps you in the light. It keeps your focus on God and keeps him in your thoughts. Have you ever, well, I think about it. They've done studies that say if you just simply write down at night three things you were thankful for during that day, and if you do that for for a while, you actually can begin to reprogram yourself to begin to look for what's good. Now, we're going to do it. We're going to stop just for a moment. I want you to think right now of three things either that happened yesterday or have happened today that you're thankful for. I'll wait. You notice you had to be intentional about it. You had to stop and go, okay, I'm going to think about this. I, uh, I'm thankful that this morning was gorgeous. There was not a cloud in the sky. If you're a pastor, you're very thankful for weather like that. You're like, hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. I am thankful that Joy cooked yesterday. I'm thankful for that. And, and made a great meal. You know what I'm most thankful for? Yesterday, we celebrated 39 years of marriage. Now, some of you out there are thinking, and you made her cook? She wanted to, to cook. <laughs> but the, I'm also thankful. Here's my fourth thing. I'm thankful that she is re-upped for another year. Her contract is still in effect. You say contract? I did. That's contract. I got her her locked in. So when you start and think about it, you're you're thankful. Now listen, glorifying God, being thankful, keeps our thoughts, keeps our hearts in the light. If you go to Japan right now, in Tokyo, they have one of the most elaborate train systems. In fact, the whole nation does. One of the most elaborate train systems in the whole nation. And if you go to Tokyo, in fact, they have, I think, over 12 billion rides a year. Huge. And their trains are very precise. They run on time, and they're safe. But if you go there, you'll notice that the attendants wear white gloves, and they point. And they point to things, and they will point, pushing the green button, pointing to the track is clear of debris. The conductors will point and go checking the speed. They point and call. They call it shishu kanku. Point and call. Point and call. They point at something. I am opening, pushing the button to open the doors. They say things. Now, you think, that's kind of stupid. It's actually not stupid. 
What it's doing is creating such an awareness and such a focus and such a mindfulness that when they're pointing and calling, they're becoming aware of what they're doing and their experts say they have reduced accidents by 85%. It's incredibly effective. But when they get new employees there, the, 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 uh, the training says that the new employees often are uncomfortable about pointing and calling. They're self-conscious about pointing. I am pushing the green button. I am pointing at this. I'm pointing at the speed. They're uncomfortable about it. But then once they figure out that it works, that it's effective, that it's safe, then it simply becomes part of what they're doing. Now, let me, let me draw those two together. Glorifying God and being thankful is the point and call of our Christian life. When you're glorifying God, you're pointing to him saying, I believe in you. I believe you're good. I believe you're the creator of heaven and earth. I believe you're the living God who has existed before time and will exist after time has far ended. I believe you're my father and you're my God. You're pointing and you're saying, I want to thank you that you have given me life and breath and a place to live, that you have sustained me and helped me and done so much for me. God, I want to thank you. And when, listen, when you start that, you're going to feel awkward. If you haven't done that before, and by the way, don't wait to walk out in the middle of your neighborhood and do it. Do it by yourself first. But listen, how many things have we often started, and the first, time we, first few times we did it, we felt awkward? First time I kissed a girl, I felt awkward. But I didn't go, I'm never doing that again. I knew it was good. And I kept at it. Just keep your mind right, people. Just work with me, all right? The first time you start something, when you start just glorifying God, it might sound strange coming out of your mouth, but the more you begin to do it, the more it becomes part of your life. What are you doing? You're bringing your mindfulness, your attention, your focus on Him. You're keeping Him in your thoughts. And you're having a day, it's a hard day, it's a nasty day, it's an awful day, but you're like, God, I want to thank you that you are the living God. You can help me, you can bring me through this situation. God, I want to glorify you. What are you doing? You're keeping him in your thoughts. And you're staying in the light. Point and call. We can do it. If Listen, the Japanese can do it. We can do it. And we can begin to glorify him and to give thanks. Paul wrote the church again in Philippians, and this is what he said. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. You notice in this, in this book of Philippians that Paul writes them a few times and says, you need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to stand fast in the Lord. Why is he writing this? He's writing this because if it came automatic, he wouldn't need to tell us that. So it, it doesn't come automatic, but we can train ourselves to do it. And here's the, here's the thing. Listen. There is a flow in this world that's not acknowledging God. It doesn't honor God. It, in fact, it'll mock you if you believe in God. And there's a flow, and a lot of people are going in that direction. But if Jesus has told us to do something, then we can turn around, and we can be the kind that go back and say, God, I, I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to give you thanks. Let me give you just one real quick parenting tip. If you would verbalize your thanks to God, that will help your children. If, you, if they hear you say, God's been good to us. God's helped us. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God for his help. 
God's good. He's big. I'm thankful to him. If you can just begin to do that. I know some of you do it when you pray and, and bless the food, but if you can just begin to do it in your day, if your kids can hear you do that, point and call, it'll, it'll register on them, and they'll remember it. We don't want to slip back, and thank God we don't have to. We can, we can go against the flow. If Jesus said to do it, we can do it. Guys, listen. Let me, let me, let me encourage you this. Part of glorifying and thanking God, you talk about run depression out of, out of your life, That'll do it. It's hard to be grateful and depressed at the same time. And if you can begin to do that, and like I said, if you, if you feel awkward doing it, this is not a win-lose. This is learning. And as we're learning to stay close to him, remember, he never moved. But we can come close. Would you bow your head for a moment? Father, I pray for those who feel like they may have slipped back. And those who felt like that maybe that uh, they've gone too far. Lord, I want to thank you that they haven't gone too far and that all it takes is a heart move towards you, an acknowledgement, a confession, an ask for forgiveness. And Father, regardless of how far we've slipped, we can come back and you are welcoming us with open arms. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for your goodness and mercy that we can continue to come close to you. And you said if we would come close to you, that you would come close to us. What a blessing that is. And we glorify you as our God and our Father. And we thank you for that. Sends are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came today and you said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord or I'm not sure about it. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I, I, uh, I've gone so far back. I've just been away from God. Well, thank God you're here. Or thank God that you're watching online. Because this is a great opportunity. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up, come to the front. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but this is such a great opportunity for you to make that connection for the first time or reconnect. So we're going to say a prayer. Heads are bowed, knives are closed, no one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, you say, I don't know, and I want to be sure, or I want to come back, would you please pray for me? Quickly slip your hands up across the auditorium and say, that's me. Alan, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Great. Anybody else? Thank you. Got you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. We're going to pray this prayer out loud. You just join us. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray it with us out loud. You're with others. Pray it quietly, but pray this with us. This is a great prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I said yes to you. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed still. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. And for those who have come back home. Father, we rejoice with them. And we rejoice, Father, that you're a God who loves us, who cares about us. Who's given us the ability and the capacity to walk and live with you. To grow stronger and to make a difference. 
Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can live with you, we can get stronger every day. And we'll give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.